So first, I just want to introduce to everyone listening who's here today. Um, I'm Matt Pimental, the supervisor for professional learning and gifted education. And uh, we also have, I'm Brandon Lutz. I'm the supervisor of instructional technology and K-12 data analysis. I am Tamara Thomas-Smith, the assistant superintendent. And for anyone listening from outside of our district, uh, we all work for the Cheltenham School District uh, in southeastern Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. And we're here today to talk about our anchor text that all of our teachers are reading this year, which is called Empower by John Spencer and A.J. Giuliani. Um, and, and this is a book about how to engage students in the learning experience and to use their terminology how to go beyond engagement and to empower students. So I thought as we'd start out that this particular episode of the podcast is going to be focused just on the introduction as a way to introduce the book to our teachers and to kind of just get our mind thinking about what some of these concepts might mean. So I pulled one quote out and it said, the world only cares about and pays off on what you can do with what you know, and it doesn't care how you learned it. Um, so I thought we'd maybe just talk a little bit about how the world has changed in the last 50, 60 years, and what that means for us, um, not necessarily in education, but just as young people who are going to enter the work world, you know, what's different about the world today? Well, first thing the advent of the internet and you know that's been huge the information that's available um, to everybody and uh, also I think um, you know, smartphones that yeah. just to name two major and it's been exponential I think last 50 60 years um, the amount of technology and access to information we've had over the last 15 years or so um, it's just increased the amount knowledge and everything that, that we have, right? Sure, and, and the power for students to have access to all the known knowledge of the world in their pocket. And I think for me, um, when you talk about change in the last 50 or 60 years, I think about the change in the last five to six years, even single digits, how much um, we've seen technology evolve and how much access um, our students have to te technology. And I think the key is, is that they have real-time access around the clock. So it's not just a matter of having access to all of this information, but the fact that it's always readily available. Yeah, that could be good and bad too. Yes. <laughs> you know, sure. now it's over access. Um, even, even, you know, people being addicted to that smartphone. Um, and also the way we act in society, like you want to answer and you want it right away. You know, it's, it's sped things up as well, right? Now we're, you know, almost it's it's started to cause anxiety for some people too. So there's it's that constantly being connected and on all the time that I right. think is really also affecting everyone, not just students. Absolutely. And I think it's a big distraction at times mm -hmm. when you're always wondering what's the new thing, what's the new information that's coming out, what am I missing? I think um, we need a delicate balance between having access to on-time information as readily as possible and also um, taking the time to step back and to unplug. Um, 
Absolutely. Um, and something that Dr. Smith had just said, which was around the term access. And I think when I was in high school, we had the internet, but it was only in the computers that were in the library. So you had to be in school at a time when you were in the library, and then you had to have permission or go on the sign-up sheet to make sure that you were in line to sit at the computer, and then you had 20 minutes, and then you had access to the internet. And then outside of that, your access was closed, so to speak. And now it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It never ends. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, maybe we talk a little bit about sort of the employment world. I, I had heard a statistic, um, and, I, and I'll find this again and put it in the show notes for people who want to uh, check into this. But it was something like that the top highest paying jobs in the second half of the 20th century, those 10 jobs were the same jobs for 50 years. And it was doctor, lawyer, et cetera, right, engineer. And then just in the last 10 years, the top 10 highest paying jobs didn't exist 10 years ago. So it's not even just that they've changed from one set of jobs to another, they're jobs that we didn't even know was an option as a career only a few years ago. And I um, think that's our key, um, a key point for us as educators and as we usher in the future leaders, is we literally are preparing us a job that don't exist. So it's important yeah. that we do engage them. It's important that we do give them strategies that not only um, support them in solving problems that we put in front of them, but also to support problems that we haven't even come up with, but to give them the steps. That this is how you approach a problem. This is how you approach a situation. These are the different skill sets that you draw upon um, when you're addressing mm -hmm. the issue, we have to make sure that we properly prepare our students because everything won't be textbook, everything won't be an established process. Our kids are gonna be responsible for making up, developing some processes that don't exist. So we have to give them not only the skills and strategies, but for me and what I see at home um, with my youngest daughter is the confidence to make that switch from the teacher imparting knowledge, imparting knowledge to students not having the answers, not being um, right. able to readily give a response. And I think um, that's a change for students where they're really learning to, I, I have to reflect, and it's okay if I don't know the response right now. It's okay if I take the time to, deep, to dig deeper. And I think those, um, that notion, we need to put out there a little more for our kids, that it's okay to not know at this moment. And I think it goes with the growth mindset. You mm -hmm. need to add yes at the end. Yep. So for me, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's something that I've been working with with my own children is having that confidence to not know and still push forward mm -hmm. and still mm -hmm. continue to look for answers. Yeah, I guess it's pushing to model that, right? It's okay to say, you know what, I don't know the answer right now. Let me, and I do that in my job. Teachers ask me a question, they say, do you know how to do this? And sometimes they say, I don't. It's okay that I don't, but I can figure it out for you. Right. Or sometimes I'll even model using Google and looking at it, <laughs> right? Oh, here I found the answer. So, and, and I think in terms of employment, it's, again, I think it's been a stressor for, for a, people because they expect instant, you know, communication, like with email. Uh, sometimes I feel like email is like the worst invention ever uh, because, you know, you can send so many, bombard people with so many different emails and a lot of times if you don't respond with like within a couple hours or within a day, it's like, you didn't respond to me. So, you know, I think, again, it's that constantly connectedness and stuff too that 
we need to work through. Mm -hmm. And I think the mindfulness piece is huge that Dr. Smith's been talking about because we need to teach the students that it's okay. Just communicate, like, hey, listen, I'm not gonna, I can't get, I don't know the answer, um, I'll get back to you in a few days, but just have them, just, it's okay to say I don't know and, and then get back to somebody later, but just communicating that and not letting it sit like silent. Right. So, um, so that, that's a segue into the next quote from the introduction that I had written down here, which was uh, that they say, our job is not to prepare students for something our job is to help stu students prepare themselves for anything, which is, I think, Dr. Smith already kind of really started to touch on this. Um, I've thought a little bit, some of the work that I've done with some teachers here in Cheltenham has been around the idea of design thinking, which is really centered on the idea of teaching kids an explicit system of thinking that you can then apply to any challenge. So you can walk into a challenge and have no idea how to solve it, and you say, I don't know how to solve this, but I do know what process I have to start following in order to be able to solve it. And thinking of that as a discrete sort of thinking skill, um, as opposed to necessarily just know the content. Um, so is that the adjustment maybe with where we're going with education is, is giving the students not necessarily the factual knowledge, but giving them protocols they can follow in order to take a new situation and have those like the skills to get the answer if it's not already been created, sort of like we talked about the jobs that don't exist yet, but if they understand how to teach themselves, to get themselves prepared to do something that's never been done before, right? And, and I do think that there's this misconception that all the information and all the knowledge that you want, you can just Google it. Um, I do think that teachers play a key role um, in helping students to not only locate and process the information, but also to interpret what they can do with it. And I think that's what you can't find on Google and you can't find on the internet. And I think there's been this misconception for students that, oh, you just look it up and you're all fine. You definitely need a, a um, seasoned instructor in front of you to help guide, okay, now that you know this, now that you have access to this, what's next? And that's a part of the teaching process, that's a part of being a student also, is receiving that guidance. And I think we enter a very dangerous territory when we promote this message that, oh, you can just Google it. Right. And that's just one, one layer. And mm -hmm. I think if we send our kids off into post-secondary education with the thought that you can just Google everything, we're setting them up for failure. Well, that yeah, gets back to it's not facts, right? It's it, There's processes in place that you can't necessarily get from Google. It's the human experience. That's why we want teachers to be facilitators, right? and not the sage on the stage, because we want them to coach the kids on how they can um, work through you know, all that. Yeah, and I think another piece of that, so on the other end of it, so like you get the information from Google, and then it's like, what am I gonna do with this? Yeah. And then the other part of it, um, you know, we often say we live in the information age, but I've also heard people describe this as the misinformation age. So you say, oh, let's, well, why don't you just have the kids go on Google and then they'll find it? Well, what are they going to find there? And do they have the skills to be able to figure out, well, this article from um, the American Medical Association is not the same thing as this other article from <laughs> some random website that, you know, gives you really bad advice, basically, or, or tells fake you something news, that's right? just fake news, right? And I think, I, I think our teachers have a grasp on that. I visited a classroom at Elkins Park um, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, and there was a teacher doing exactly that. Had uh, a okay. smart board, projected an article, 
told the students where the article came from and then asked the student, how reliable is this source? How factual do you think this information would be coming from here? And then the next question was, so where do you think you could go to get more accurate information? So okay. we're having those conversations, at mm -hmm. least I saw that in my visit, we're having those conversations, we need to have more of those conversations. Right. <laughs> well, <and laughs> I think we as, definitely started. Mm -hmm. As we build our curriculum, I think we need to build that into the curriculum Absolutely. Too. I mean, that's, that's key. Yep. I agree. Um, so that's actually a great segue, um, which is that I think there's, when, if a teacher's reading this book in power and is inspired by these ideas, I, I could see them coming away and feeling some tension because so much work is being done in our district right now around writing curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, it's a major initiative. Um, and basically, we have every single subject at every grade level is going to have curriculum written either last year, this year, or in the next year or two. Um, so that's a tremendous undertaking. So people would be looking at that and saying, oh, what we're doing is we're, we're writing curriculum, so we're saying here's where we're going, and this is exactly what kids need to learn in some cases, maybe, maybe even almost down to the day. Uh, but at the same time, we're saying to teachers, we want you to think about the 21st century mm -hmm. and, and how to empower students and where to go. So I can just see tension there. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm wondering if, if we might just share some of our thoughts about the degree to which that tension is real and the degree to which it's not necessarily real, it may be felt, but that actually these two things come together. I, I definitely think the tension is real and I can see how people draw that connection but I do believe that um, these engagement strategies that we're discussing can coexist with um, some of our traditional curriculum writing. The reality is, is that Pennsylvania um, does have set state standards that we must make sure that our students um, master and that they meet. I believe we can meet those standards, master those standards, but do them in ways in which we have high student engagement where we pull in more students than we typically have pulled in and where we cater to students' uh, learning styles and students' um, ways of processing. Because again, I think the teacher's job today is more difficult than it's ever been because you're competing with so many different interests. And I think that's why student engagement is so key and so important because we don't want to leave our kids to the thought that technology or getting on a smartphone is going to replace the knowledge and replace the instruction that the teacher is providing. So in order to bridge that gap, I do believe we need more strategic instructional strategies that do successfully engage students. I do not believe, even in the 21st century, all engagement has to be through technology. Yes, technology makes things efficient, makes some things more effective, but nothing replaces a good quality teacher. <laughs> right. And the data shows oh. that too, right? Exactly. <laughs> Well, it comes down to curriculum drives instruction, not technology, right? Yeah. And I always say that to the teachers. I say, listen, technology is simply a tool, just like a pencil, right? It's just, you need to know how to use it. And sometimes you don't need a pencil. Sometimes you just need to have a conversation. So I think that's really important too, that, you know, and that's why we changed our department name to innovation. You know, it's, it's about innovation. It's not about, technology shouldn't be in there because it's about innovative practices and right. change and engagement, uh, you know, tools. It's thinking, just doing it, teaching in a different way, not necessarily, and using different tools. So I totally agree, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Yeah. So something that the authors put right out there that I thought is actually a really great pl place for us to think as we start to dive into this book over the course of the year, is they have a whole section there and they themselves just say, here are the reasons for you not to read this book. And, and they put some things out there and, and 
it's one of the reasons why I was drawn to this book in the first place when we started talking about what would be a good anchor text for the year. And knowing that in our PD sessions being led by principals, there was going to be a really big focus on usable strategies, technical strategies. Like you're going to group students into this many number of kids in these different groups and it rotates like this and that's how you increase cognitive engagement. That's a very like technical kind of skill. And there's all kinds of manuals that have been written that have hundreds of these strategies and we're just going to focus on what we think are some of the best ones. Um, but if somebody wants that kind of technical information, there's a book for that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one you could expect to find in a college, you know, a master's level course, etc. And that's not what this book is at all. Um, this book is more of an inspirational piece. It's designed to get teachers to grapple with some of these hard to answer questions. It goes back to some of our themes we talked about before. Like we don't know the answers. The, the, otherwise the answers would be in this book. Um, the book doesn't really provide answers as much as it provides questions and says, how might you rethink this part of the educational experience? How might students be engaged in being leaders in the classroom in this way? It's, it's really a series of open-ended questions with, in some cases, no answers. And I, that's actually exactly why we selected this book. Um, because it's really, as they say, it's a book of ideas. It's a book of stories. Um, it's setting us up to focus on providing our own solutions. Um, and it's, it's at the end of the day, I, I think it's really just meant to inspire. You know, you're in the classroom and you, you want to do things different. You've got that mindset. You're like, I want this year to be different than last year. And the real intention is, as we read through this, it's there to just inspire your best professional practice to come out. Well, they're modeling what they're talking. They're trying to engage us in conversation and think differently how we're going to work with our students. So, and a lot of, when we look at the book, there's a lot of pictures, there's diagrams, there's, you know, statements mm -hmm. in here that really just make you think. And, start, and that's what this whole podcast is about, right? It's about yep. fostering conversation amongst our teachers as well as anyone that wants to listen to it, right? Yep. So, yeah. Um, so then I think that leads us into the last piece, which is really the core of what this book is about, which is their statement that th their goal is for us to go if, – if you're starting at a place of compliance, which is sort of like the old school version of – quote unquote, like good school. Um, and I think a lot of people recognize that the traditional version of compliance is not, is not the ideal in the 21st century. Um, I mean, even schools that are famous for compliance are moving away from it. Um, I've heard recently in Japan, which was very famous for having extremely rigid classrooms for, for many, many years. But for the last 15 years, Japan's gone in a completely different direction. And if you watch video of Japanese classrooms today, the kids are, I don't want to, I wouldn't say they're out of control, but they're up and they're moving around and there's lots of action. They've re, you know, all the student desks and everything are designed to be reconfigured. Um, not that different from like the desk you see at the new Cedarbrook building. Um, they, they really try to embrace this more dynamic approach, um, which I think is interesting because when I think of Japanese education, I think of something that's very formal and kind of old school, so to speak. So the book is definitely encouraging us to move beyond compliance. And their statement is to say to go past engagement into empowerment, mm -hmm. um, which I think really links into what we're saying before, which is we are on our PD days going to be talking about engagement strategies, mm -hmm. which are the tools you need to get to that engagement spot. But this book is trying to say, that's great. Get all of that locked in. But that's not the end game. <laughs> the end game is actually even past that. 
and and what kind of ideas can we come up with to make our classrooms embody that ideal? Well, you're trying to change the mindset of the teachers and the students too, right? That they have the power, right? But it's, so we're really on a journey, right? And it's going to take us time to get there, right? And this is just the the engagement conversations when we're going to have, but hopefully we move on to that. All right, we have these engagement strategies in place. Let's let's now think about yeah. how we can can give more control to the students, right? And empower them because that's what they're going to have to do when they go to college and go yeah. into the real world as they yep. say, right? Um, so I was thinking maybe we would just end with any last comments we want to say. Um, the last thing I wanted to put out there is that I'm I'm hoping that as teachers go through this book and and grapple with some of it that you know quote it's it's that old quote you know shoot for the stars and you hit the moon kind of idea that take some of these ideas if you're in your classroom you're like this is something I think I just want to try <laughs> you you can go for it it may work and maybe it won't work you you just don't know but you won't know until you try and if we're shooting for the stars if we're trying to make empowerment a guiding principle in a classroom you're not necessarily going to hit that every day or every time you try but even falling short of that is falling onto something that may be better than if you hadn't tried something new. I, I think I talk to teachers is about failing forward and we need to tell our kids you need to fail forward. Mm -hmm. Yesterday I was um, I did a session with a teacher talking about kids were students were creating about me videos and the program I used changed their um, the way that they run and the students couldn't log in because they're under the age of 13. So it, I, it was like oh my gosh, this isn't working. So instead of just saying, all right, we're done, we're gonna move on to something else, I said, all right, let's think about how we can do this. All right, we can get, create Google Slides and we can use Screencastify to record your, your show. So I, I modeled that, all right, this failed, I thought it was gonna work, it didn't, but let's move on. Mm -hmm. And it was good modeling for the teacher that I was with, but also the students, because they saw, all right, we ran into a problem and we'll move forward. So I think that, that fail forward is so huge. And then we also need to remind teachers if they do try something new, and an administrator walks in and they're, you know, and it, it just doesn't work, it's not working for them, as long as they show that they've learned and they move forward and they, they learn from it and they move, and you know, the next time you see it, they've learned from it, then they have to be, I feel like they have to know that it's okay if it's something that doesn't work you tried, as long as you learn from it. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I think if teachers take um, risks and, um, use different strategies with students that they polled and surveyed with students informally to see what they really like, what they're enjoying, what really gets them going, and try to um, use that informal data to kind of move forward with that as well. Yeah. Um, so just a last couple uh, messages. Um, so you'll be receiving an email from me that is asking if you want to shine a spotlight on any of your colleagues who you know are doing great things, uh, especially around engaging students uh, in their in their learning it's just a way for you to say like hey mr. or mrs. so-and-so down the hall they do this thing they may not want to raise their own hand because you know they <laughs> they're modest people yeah. um, but I know that what they're doing is great and I want to you know shout them out and and highlight them um, I'll be sending that out as just like a Google form for you to put that information in and also in that Google form if you have engagement strategies specific strategies that you use in your classroom that you have found to be effective I would love for you to share those with us because that can then start a conversation between you and us around which of those strategies we can then turn into our engagement cards which you receive on the PD days so that as the year goes on and that deck 
grows, we'll be able to add strategies that have been teacher-derived and not just necessarily ones that principals think are the best um, or administration thinks is best, but it's something that the teachers are like, hey, this is what I use and it's great. I think if everybody used this, um, I think it would be helpful. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And with that, this concludes episode one of, of the podcast here for Cheltenham School District's podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. you.